I want to be cannabis. Hello and welcome to This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. I'm your host, Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms, and with me in the studio today is my co-host, Emma Chasen, the founder of Emin Consulting. Hello. Hi. It's good to be here. How Just are you? us squirrel friends today. It's a bottle episode. Woohoo! All right. Uh, what's going on? Um, a lot of good stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. I am going to be in the studio at X-Ray Live without you doing oh. This is Cannabis mm-hmm. next week. Not on our scheduled time mm-hmm. on Friday, March 8th for their Amplify Women Festival. Hell yeah. Tell us all about that, please. Yeah. I'm so excited. So X-Ray hosts um, Amplify Women in honor of International Women's Day where they really try to highlight conversations around women and and their power in many different uh, intersects and, and industries. And so I will be doing a This Is Cannabis cannabis focused episode about women in the industry with uh, a wonderful, amazing cannabis journalist, Lauren Yoshiko. Yes. Which I'm really Our excited friend. about. Oh, dear friend. Yeah. Um, she's write, great. She, yeah. She's, she's a great writer. Amazing. She writes lady. for Forbes yeah. and Willamette Week. And she um, edited and, and produced The Finder. Which yep. is really cool. Um, yeah, she she is really like cool. I also just love like chilling with yeah, her. Yeah, she's a cool chick. So I'm excited to have her in the studio, but I will miss you. Of course. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Friday, March 8th. Friday, March 8th. We will be live on the radio from 1.15 p.m. to 2 p.m. Wow. You're doing it live. We're doing it live, baby. Wow. Are you excited about I that? I am excited. How's that going to work? Is it going to be... Like a version of the, is someone are you, is it just you two? I guess is my question. Yeah, just wow. us two. Exciting. I know. That's cool. Can I ask you? Are you gonna do the like hello and welcome to this is cannabis? I feel thing? Like, like I have to. I, I was. I'm curious. I th- I think I have to. Do you, yeah. Do you want me to give you? Because you know I I have a like an outline that I use every week for the beginning and the end, the bookends and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Do you want me to give it to you? Please. You yeah. I'll so take it. Keep the format going. Of course. Predictable Consistency. format. Consistency. Reliability. That's the name of our game. That is. That is the the yes. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's very cool, and I hope. People uh, really enjoy that. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to it. I'm excited to do it. That so thank is you. Super cool. I wanted to sh- I wanted to show you, uh, read to you this new word I got today. I get sent a, a dictionary.com word of the day every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word is petrichor, and the definition of it is uh, a distinctive scent, usually described as earthy, pleasant, or sweet, produced by rainfall. Oh. And I was like, that sounds like a cannabis word, you know, like a, a, like an adjective, a colorful adjective mm-hmm. one could use. For specific, you know, especially for like outdoor cannabis. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool. Petricor. And your, your plant thing made me think of it. That is wholesome too. It's like yeah. that distinctive smell after rain is such a smell. P E T R I C H O R. Has good mouthfeel too. Petricor. Um, so Emma, you have something fun uh, and very interesting going on in your house that I want to talk oh, about. I do. I do. I'm really excited. So I love dinner parties. Yes. I love to host dinner parties. Likewise. I am very like Italian mother yeah. cook and whatever. But when I host dinner parties, there's always a level of stress to it because I'm oh, cooking a huge meal for people. You clean your house. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I always have like dreamed of having a dinner party where I could like hire a 
gourmet chef to like cook my dinner party guests a meal. And that is happening tonight. Um, and I didn't even have to hire that person. Okay. So the reason why it's happening is because Matt, my business partner, he lives in a like little tiny one room, what we call a bungalow, but it's basically like a shed. It's really nice, but mm. there's no like full kitchen whatsoever. He has a hot plate and a toaster oven and that's about very, very it. Monastic, very monastic uh, situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And his friend from Philadelphia is visiting in town and his friend is like a gourmet chef has cooked at like Michelin star restaurants oh, wow. and yeah, is like a very accomplished chef. And so as part of a thanks for uh, allowing for Matt, allowing him and his girlfriend to like stay with him with Matt for a week, he wanted to cook a big Sorry, meal. in the shed? Yes, in okay. the shed. Great, great. Um, yeah. <laughs> he wanted to cook a big meal as an expression of gratitude. And so Matt was like, well, can't do it at my house, right. but we could do it at Emma's house. And Matt asked me after the fact, and I was like, um, of course we can do it at my house. I will yeah. literally clear my schedule any night right. to have this gourmet chef man come and cook a beautiful meal in my kitchen so that's happening tonight i'm very very excited cool. about what time it. should i come over yeah come over <laughs> um around six o'clock anybody come but you know what i'm going to tell you that it's going to be vegan so yeah. you right. may not, yeah it. you may not want to come yeah um which is i'm interested to right. see how vegan, look vegan food can be done very very well exactly and he like again is a very accomplished chef so i have no doubts that he will make those root vegetables taste like money ask is is he a vegan chef or he just can no. he's very you know no yeah he he eats everything cooks everything but matt is a vegan right and so um since this is a, a gift of thanks to matt he did not want to cook a meal that matt couldn't eat right yeah that, that does scan yeah <laughs> um ask the dude if he's ever heard of or knows uh, the restaurant millennium in san francisco okay. which is a very famous very incredible completely vegan restaurant but it's like yeah like michelin starred nice um it's a it's a cool cool place okay right on all right so uh this week's episode of this is cannabis is uh like we said it's a bottle episode we are going to be going to the mailbag um, we have received some questions over the course of the show some of which we have tried to we have answered uh, on email, mm -hmm. uh, but many of which uh, we have sort of we've been kind of waiting for this day to collect enough mm -hmm. to do a show full of questions from our listeners. And so, first of all, we want to say thank you, uh, listeners, for writing in to us, uh, mostly to Emma, <laughs> uh, about, about your questions. We are going to try to get to them. And so let's let's go to the listener mailbag. Um, we're going to keep it loose this week, guys. It's been, um, we're recording this after a week of my children being out of school and then a couple of snow days. Mm. And so I my level of productivity has been very low. Mm. Uh, over the last, Fair. let's say, 10 days or so. And I went out of town with my family. And so, not to say that, you know, not to say that um, we were planning this episode, you know, eventually mm -hmm. for me. This is the timing of this one up being very good. And, yeah. and uh, so we're going to keep it loose. We're going to see how it goes. Woo, this is kind, of an, this is kind of an experiment. Um, I love this. This is my typical podcast format right. when I go on right. other podcasts. Okay. So. Well, help me out. Tell me. 
Oh, we're going through. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll definitely. In the middle of the show, well. I'll be like, Lee, uh-uh. Yeah, let's Stop take it, it back to one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so the first question uh, comes from a listener via, I guess all of these questions are going to be via email, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'll, let's just have that stipulated right off at the top. Um, uh, I realized that, sorry, this is the quote. I realize this is not an Oregon question, but would you be willing to address this topic generally and explain whether the date of harvest is indeed relevant for consumers to know? Um, this writer, by the way, was is writing in from Washington State, uh, who I think they took, the, the reason that they, they were writing in was that Washington State, at the time of the writing of this email, uh, they had stopped putting up the harvest date on oh, their packaging. okay. Yes, yeah, so the questions are, Explain whether the date of harvest is indeed relevant for for consumers. What should we be looking for in terms of packaging? Should we avoid dispensaries that are keeping their packages or product out in the light versus in drawers? If we don't know the date of the harvest, what are other factors that consumers can use to ensure they are buying a quality product? Mm. So let's uh, let's we'll take those and I want, yeah, break it so, down. Yeah, break it down. So first question is: Is the harvest date? indeed relevant for consumers i think the harvest date is just another piece of data that a consumer can have that Mm -hmm. a consumer should have access to i think that there is incredibly fresh and wonderful flower that could have been harvested nine months ago right um and there's on the the kind of the opposite side flower that maybe is not that fresh or is not um that well stored um that's been harvested a month ago very wasn't very well cured exactly exactly so the harvest date does not uh determine the quality I would say, of the end product. Really more, it's going to be about, of course, like how it was cultivated, how it was uh, flushed if need be, how mm. it was Can cured. Can we explain what that means? Yeah. So flushing is when you do use some more synthetic nutrients. Even if you're running any type of bottle nutrient line, you want to kind of give your plants a break at the end of their flowering cycle. So you don't want to give them nutrients so that way it can, quote unquote, flush it out of its tissues. So that way you're not ending up smoking any like synthetic fertilizers yeah, or anything residual. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. there's a we at HiFi. We I forget when when I was learning how to grow uh, back in the early days. I remember we used a, a real like kind of uh, intense flush protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what it, what it was. I don't remember how to do it. Yeah. But I know we did it. Good. I yeah. mean, growers should do it so that way again they can ensure that there are no um, like nutrients in the building blocks of the the tissues, the plant tissue. Get all that stuff out. Exactly. And then there's the cure beyond that. um, And then how it is packaged. So that's, that is really more important, how it's stored and packaged to prevent the degradation of cannabinoids, terpenes, et cetera. Right. What should we be looking for in terms of packaging? And I assume that question is like, uh, you know, are flimsy plastic bags, do they cut it? Or, Mm. or you know, how... How robust or, I don't know what, sophisticated perhaps sure. a, a package is. And again, this person is writing in from Washington State where everything has to be packaged, right? right. So let's, yeah. that's probably the... Yeah, I'd say the two most important things are airtight container. Mm-hmm. It needs to be airtight because oxygen does degrade cannabinoids, specifically THC. It also um, should be generally opaque, which I believe it has to be under uh, regulations, preventing any photons of light from coming through because light also will degrade cannabinoids. So those are the two most important things. I prefer flour that has not been packaged in uh, like mylar bags because it can just get really squished 
very yeah. easily. So something in uh, more like a medicine bottle type yeah. container. Glass jar. Glass jar, exactly. Glass jar with maybe like a little like koozie or something around it or even like an amber glass jar. Uh, there's a great company called Restash. Is the koozie to block the light? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, a great company called Restash that has jars that are um, airtight, childproof, and also uh, opaque for storing flour. What a boon to the glass jar industry the cannabis industry has been, right? I mean, I would say more so the the plastics industry. True. Uh, I I Kush wish bottle is like a multi-billion dollar. Yeah. Company. Yeah, packaging in general. Packaging oh in general. wow, the cannabis industry has really really boosted up the packaging. It's kind of like iPhones, you know, like uh in this in the sense of uh, it really created the iPhone case industry. Yep. Yeah, the, the <laughs> <Right>? accessory <clears throat> yeah. industry, yeah. for sure. The Even add-ons that you have to have. The headphones and the chargers yeah. and all that different kind of stuff. Yeah. Keeping on the same question, um, should we avoid dispensaries that keep their packages or product out in the light versus in drawers? That's a good question. That is a good question. Um, I... I would ask the dispensary if they have kind of separate uh, display that they don't sell out of. So if they do put product out on display um, and and have it exposed to light, do they sell that product or do they have back stock that they keep in drawers that uh, does not is not exposed to light? I think that you can do both in that sense. In Washington, everything's packaged, right? right? And and so as long as the, the flower is in an opaque container, not exposed to the light, then, I mean, if that package is in the light, it, it should be fine. If we don't know the date of the harvest, what are other factors that consumers uh, should use to ensure that they are buying quality product? Great mm, question. Really good question. Ask your bud tender about the the grower information, ask how it was cultivated and then how it was stored beyond that. A lot of outdoor growers, because they have one harvest in a year, and so they need to keep product fresh for that whole year, I know do nitrogen packaging where they'll um, put nitrogen into a kind of like turkey bag full of flour that um, disperses all the oxygen out of the package and then um, it is nitrogen sealed. So uh, there's just now weed floating around with nitrogen. And that theoretically should prevent the degradation of cannabinoids. I know other outdoor growers who don't do nitrogen packaging, who just keep it, again, in airtight containers in a dark place. And they say that their um, cannabinoid and terpene retention is just fine. Uh, Really, to me, to ensure a quality product, it's all about how it was grown, how it was harvested, how it was cured, how it was stored. So just ask your bud tender if they know information about that grower. And if they don't, they should at least know the grower's name. And then you can do a quick Google search, find their website, find their contact information, and then get in touch with them yourselves. Yeah, cool. Um, So thank you to that listener for emailing us in. Um, The next question is, is edible potency and terpene benefit impacted by having food in your stomach? When is it ideal to ingest an edible for maximum therapeutic benefit? For instance, I ingest a homemade 10 to 1 CBD oil, so I don't have the benefit of feeling the effects uh, and experimenting with timing relative to having a meal because it's all very mild. I guess what I'm asking is, other than potentially slowing down absor- absorption and take time to effect, does taking an edible with other food diminish its potency or therapeutic benefit? 
Mm, also really good question. Yes, so indeed. when we talk about oral ingestion of mm -hmm. cannabinoids, the cannabinoids and terpenes have relatively low bioavailability, meaning that a lot gets wasted out. Um, a lot gets wasted out typically through first pass metabolism, which is through the liver. So anytime that we ingest something that is not water soluble, it goes through our liver and the liver kind of wastes out a lot of things um, to help keep us safe. Right. Um, the, the cannabinoids, CBD and THC, both get like really wasted out through the liver. CBD in particular, we know, interacts um, really strangely with a lot of liver enzymes. And so you end up really only getting a very small fraction of uh, the, the cannabinoids after that first pass metabolism. Huh. There are a couple of ways to get around that. One uh, is nano encapsulation. So encapsulating your cannabinoids in these teeny tiny biodegradable polymers that have been freeze dried. So they're water soluble. Uh, and that makes your cannabinoids water soluble. And so you can bypass that first pass metabolism. Another way is emulsification. Emulsification is when you shoot the cannabinoids in a typically like lipid suspension, so like a fat, um, and you shoot them and they all disperse. And so you emulsify it, which also helps to improve absorption rates. Um, when you eat additional... What does that final product look like, the emulsified? The emulsification, you know... Um, it's a great Yola Tango song called Emulsified, by the way. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm reminded of. Um, it can look like a few things depending on what type of product you're you're making. I mean, it can look like a beverage. Um, so something like a soda, an infused soda typically goes okay. through an emulsification process. So you're not getting this like thick oil slick layer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really any any kind of beverage or even any type of oil tincture liquid suspension okay. that is uh, homogenized where you don't see a separation between okay. oil and Thank then you. the water. Um, and so when you do eat additional food, when you eat additional fats and proteins in particular, that is a way of helping with the emulsification process, even if a product has not been nanoemulsified, if that makes sense. So when you eat additional fats, you are providing your body with additional lipids that uh, the cannabinoids can then absorb into, which helps your body better digest it. And the way that I've personally experienced the difference between um, kind of taking just a uh, a cannabinoid isolate or orally ingesting a cannabinoid isolate without food as compared to orally ingesting um, a full spectrum cannabis oil with food is that the isolate is kind of like a super sharp come up and a pretty sharp come down with a small window in between there of me feeling the effects. Um, it's not as pleasant to me as when I take something that's already been suspended in a lipid and also eats a little bit of additional fat, which could look like a little bit of avocado or something. That's more of a slow come up and then a nice plateau uh, and then a slow come down as well. Sure. So I think it just improves digestion, absorption. It's like drinking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have a, you know, you have a, a drink at a cocktail party before you've gotten any of the shrimp cocktail, you know, any of the, the crab puffs that are going around <laughs> goes right to your head. Yep. And then you get a headache because it immediately because it doesn't last very long. Exactly. So you got to go to the cocktail party with a let's have a sandwich before we go. Yeah. Folks. All right, exactly. Something you in your stomach is always a good idea when ingesting uh, potentially psychotropic substances. Yeah. Great. So our next question is a listener writing in asking. 
I want to learn more about dermal absorption of cannabis. Mm, so this is uh, topical applications okay. of cannabis, which we did talk about with Trista Oakle mm -hmm. in our Empower episode. And I will find out which episode that is while you're talking. Go cool. please continue. Um, but to give a little bit of a summary about dermal absorption. So first we have our dermis layer, our skin, which is a really thick layer of tissue. We have our epidermis, which sits on top of our dermis, which is the very thin layer. Um, but but when you get into the dermis, it's quite thick. And so when we topically apply cannabinoids, they are relatively larger molecules. Um, they are also fat soluble. And so it takes them a little while to like make it through the dermis. And even then they don't typically make it all the way through the dermis into the bloodstream. They'll kind of like make it through, interact with a bunch of uh, enzymes and factors and receptors that are in our skin to typically produce an anti-inflammatory response. And then they'll kind of like sit at the bottom of the dermis in these uh, vesicles. So in these storage units, these fatty storage units, and then just kind of like hang out there uh, at the bottom of the dermis, again, helping to regulate inflammation and, and potentially pain, um, as well as the immune uh, like histamine responses. All right, great. So next question is, um, would eating 11-hydroxy-THC expedite activation if consumed pre-digestion? Okay, so we're going to back it up a little bit Let's back um, it up a little to bit. talk about THC and the different analogs of THC. So when we say THC, that's like an umbrella for a whole slew of compounds underneath. The active, quote-unquote active form of THC that we get when we inhale cannabis is Delta 9 mm -hmm. THC. When we ingest cannabis, we also are ingesting Delta 9 THC because it has typically gone through what's called a decarboxylation, decarboxylation. process, yeah. exactly, before being infused into an edible. So when we hydroxylize... Delta 9, Ooh, THC. Nice one. That, thank you, that generates the very psychotropic compound, which its full name is 11-hydroxy-delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, a.k.a. 11-hydroxy-THC. Mm-hmm. Further oxidation of 11-hydroxy-THC of generates the inactive compound 11-nor-9-carboxy-delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. Wow. Yes. So that's kind of like the stages. Can you say that again for me? Yes. So, <laughs> so ready? Hydroxylation of delta 9 THC generates the incredibly psychotropic compound 11 hydroxy delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol. And further oxidation of that compound generates the inactive 11 nor 9 carboxy delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> wow. That yeah. was well done. Very, very well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, please continue. So um, when we inhale Delta 9 THC, it is rapidly absorbed through our lungs after inhalation, and it quickly reaches high concentrations in the bloodstream. Yeah. That's why we feel such an immediate onset of effects when smoking. Uh, however, hydroxylation of Delta 9 does happen while it is in our bloodstream. So it turns into 11-hydroxy-THC when it's in our bloodstream. And um, what the kind of blood plasma levels look like there is that there's a maximum delta-9 THC plasma concentration observed approximately eight minutes after smoking. Okay. And then the 11-hydroxy-THC peaked at 15 minutes after smoking. And then this 
inactive 11 nor 9 carboxy delta 9 THC um, was there at 81 minutes. Okay, so let me let me so make sure I understand this. So, like, do the flow chart of that for me. So, you like, you you uh, you decarboxylize cannabis, inhale it, mm-hmm. and it immediately has an effect. Yep, and, and then yep, eight minutes into it. What was it? Eight minutes into it, that Delta 9 is at, like, maximum concentration. Right. So, so eight that's... minutes after smoking, Delta 9 is at its max that it will be in your body. Right. Then um, about 15 minutes after smoking, you see a max in the 11-hydroxy Now, what are the effects? You, can you speak to what the, these effects are? Or yes. How that, yep. So 11-hydroxy THC, it's a much smaller analog of Delta 9. Therefore, it more easily, more efficiently passes through the blood-brain barrier. So when it's in our bloodstream, it has to go through the blood-brain barrier to get into our brain to bind to our receptors. 11-hydroxy does a better job at that than Delta-9. Then once it's in our brain, 11-hydroxy also has a much easier time binding to our CB1 receptors, Mm -hmm. which cause that psychotropic high experience. So you're continuing to like deepen or richen the experience. Yes. And so 15 minutes after you smoke is the highest theoretically that you will be because um, that Delta 9 THC, a lot of it has hydroxylized into 11 hydroxy THC, which Mm -hmm. is now flowing around your brain, binding to those receptors um, really easily and creating that effect. And then about 81 minutes after you inhale, and of course, this is all dependent on like depth of inhalation, the actual amount of THC percentage that you're consuming, all of that kind of stuff. Whether um, you have any food in your system? Whether you have any food in your system, absolutely. Yeah, all of that, that was a kind mark. of situational. Yeah, all yeah, of that situational that awareness, uh, dependent on your own physiology, of course. But typically, then 81 minutes after you smoke, it is this inactive form of THC, the 11 nor 9 carboxy. THC. And that is what, uh, fun fact, is detected or used to detect kind of THC uh, through a urine analysis. Okay. So that's what they're actually reading for, is ah. this inactive form of THC. That is a fun fact. That can stay in your body for a relatively long time. Um, and and so 81 minutes after you inhale, that's, that's the peak of that inactive form. And so 81 minutes after you smoke, theoretically, you won't be that high anymore because all of your THC has now further um, hydroxylized and then oxidized to get to this inactive compound. So that's with smoking. So that's what, yeah. And now when we talk about oral ingestion, because Delta 9 goes through a process in the liver, right, it does... uh, does turn into this 11-hydroxy-THC. And so when we look at that blood plasma reading of uh, the THC levels after oral ingestion, you get a much higher reading of the 11-hydroxy-THC. And, of course, the time is delayed. Right, the duration of... Exactly, exactly. So it's not until, like, one to two hours that you'll see a Delta-9 spike in in the bloodstream. And then you'll see a very large spike of 11-hydroxy-THC. And then... Which of, the, I, I'm sorry. Which then the prolongs the duration. Uh, why does the why is the duration so prolonged as far as um, it, you know edible ingestion versus because of that higher because spike of, because of, of eleven that hydroxy that's, that's THC. Okay. Yeah, yep, yeah. Okay. exactly. Because again, that's more psychotropic than its delta nine analog. And so back to the listener's question right. of if you theoretically orally ingested eleven hydroxy THC. 
would you get kind of a, a different kind of experience? Um, and I think that you would actually maybe theoretically, again, get a shorter experience because that 11-hydroxy THC is like the middleman between your Delta 9 and your inactive analog, the that 11-nor-9 nor nine. carboxy. I just hear Robin Williams going, nanu, nanu. <laughs> um, so, that's, so, that, so the... The eleven, what you said. I'm sorry, I forget. I can't keep up with the terminology. But that's so like that's not an optimized version. No, yeah, it's inactive. That sort of seems what. Okay. Yeah. Because um, it sort of seems like that was maybe what the listener was asking. Like, is right. this a way to optimize? You know. Yeah, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, no, I would say that consuming with delta nine allows you to, or starting with delta nine allows you to have more of that eleven hydroxy. Where if you just started with eleven hydroxy. Um, then it would just quicker turn into the inactive. And when I say inactive, I don't mean that it doesn't have any kind of physiological benefit. Right. I more mean that it's not going to be psychotropic. It's right. not going to give you that high experience. Cool. That was interesting. Yeah, that was a lot of science. Great question. So. Yeah, no, that was great. And you know, I asked you to repeat that thing because I was, I was, I didn't get it the first time. I was so, wor I was so concerned about you saying all those words, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, nailed it. And then I was like, <laughs> I didn't listen to a thing she said. So that's how my brain works. Okay. All right, let's go to a break. There, you are listening to this is cannabis on X-ray FM. This is Cannabis is brought to you by the Craft Cannabis Alliance. The Craft Cannabis Alliance is a network of values-driven, Oregon-owned companies committed to defining, supporting, and celebrating authentic craft cannabis and building an industry dedicated to people, place, planet, and plant. The Alliance is leading the fight for interstate commerce in legal cannabis through the One Fix campaign. Export is the centerpiece of a successful Oregon industry that will support hundreds of farms and dozens of companies, providing world-class artisan products to legal markets and cannabis lovers everywhere. All right, and we are back. If you were just joining us, you were listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, and with me in the studio is my co-host, Emma Chasen, and we are answering listener emails today. Um, we get right back into it. Next question how much does someone's endocannabinoid system fluctuate from day to day? Mm, good question. Mm -hmm. um, it will be very personal, dependent on how much your physiology fluctuates day to day. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's a lot. Um, the endocannabinoid receptor system is really intrinsically related to our endocrine system, so to our hormones, and it fluctuates with hormone fluctuations. And so... Um, if you are, your hormones are, are fluctuating daily, um, and so therefore your endocannabinoid system is basically constantly fluctuating. In flux. In flux, yeah. I can't really quantify that for you, listener, <laughs> um, in terms of like it, it fluctuates this much or in this time span or every five minutes or something like that. Um, but I think it's it's pretty safe to, to say that it's constantly in flux okay next question what is the latest research regarding the endocannabinoid system what new receptors have been found mm, so it is important to note that we really don't know a ton about the endocannabinoid receptor system at all we are mm -hmm. still just beginning to, to uncover yep. exactly how how it works with our body how it's related what receptors belong to the endocannabinoid receptor system We're we know un unlocking more ghosts Exactly. Opening mm, the, more doors. The, the, the ghost receptor thing that I learned from way back. Yes. Sorry. Yes. And and really, like, really 
finding finding the the home for more orphans um what receptors that we don't know what kind of like family they belong to they're called orphan receptors because they don't have a family they don't have a home just yet may i have some more (laughs) okay (laughs) if you don't eat your meat you can't have any pudding oh my god that's sad told you it was gonna be loose folks wow um so we do know definitively that the endocannabinoid receptor system has the cb1 and cb2 receptor I believe I've talked about that at length, so I won't really go into them there. Um, There are two new receptors that are piquing scientists' interest, GPR-55 and GPR-18. And they are technically considered these orphan receptors because there's just not enough conclusive scientific evidence for scientists to say, oh, they do belong to the endocannabinoid receptor system. But they are found uh, in specific locations in the body um, all throughout the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. And there is great uh, potential and promise for them to be able to regulate pain and inflammatory response. And they can engage phytocannabinoids. Um, More so, it's pointing to that they can engage endogenous cannabinoids in some way to help modulate these inflammatory responses. And so that's where uh, the, the theory that, oh, maybe they do belong to the endocannabinoid receptor system is coming from. Um, right. and, and GPR-18 in particular... It's found um, in the spleen and in peripheral blood leucocytes and lymph nodes. Um, and again, speaks to more of like an immune modulatory response. So it's helping to regulate the immune system, to keep it in balance, helping to regulate inflammation. It has a hand in destroying inflamed cells, which is cool. Um, and, and what does that so, mean? So when you have, um, when you have, a cell or uh, an inflammatory leukocyte, uh, GPR, the engagement of GPR-18 could lead to what's called apoptosis of that, um, which is just when they blow it up, they blow up a cell. If you let an inflamed leukocyte kind of hang out, it could lead to other problems. It could lead to inflammatory disorders. It could lead to disease. It could lead to an autoimmune response. And so it's good. You want to kill these cells you want to blow them up um and that's you want to apoptosis you them, want to apoptosis them. A fun word. it is i really like that word yeah. uh, and that's engagement of gpr18 could lead to that right. could have that happen so let me ask you this who is doing this research that's a good question um uh, people around the world um yeah. israel right. is really in israel, leading the charge in in cannabis research but they're moving more uh in in the vein of like clinical human clinical trials and then product formulations based on that scientific evidence, specifically looking at a single disease and just trying to optimize the formulation of cannabinoids and terpenes to best manage that disease. Yeah. So ALS, autism, yeah. um, ADHD, they're actually looking at a lot of those conditions right now. Cancer is a really hard one because it's just such a big beast. I mean, there are tons of types of cancer, um, even within like uh leukemia lymphoma there are like tons of types Sub, of leukemia lymphoma yeah. right so it's a really hard one to tackle but um they are they are trying to take on more of that human clinical trial research i also know that there are uh i've read recently uh, a bunch of research that's coming out of finland and um and kind of the more Nordic countries yep. up there. Come from the land of ice exciting. and snow. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, people around the world who are doing it. India, I believe that um, the study that I'm citing right now to talk about these orphan receptors, I believe came from India. 
Orphan Receptors would be like a cool like DJ name. D- Orphan Receptors. Yeah. Right. Okay, next question. How do you best suggest cannabis after a co- consultation with someone? Mm. So that you you really have to take in or I like to take in all of the different factors. Right. That this is will, presumably a bud tender asking. Yes. This. Yes. That will help to um, kind of create the best possible experience that the customer or the patient is looking for, um, whether it's optimized for symptom relief or just for um, like relaxation or whatever it may be. Right. Um, you have to look at their um, lifestyle. You have to look at if they have kids. Do they work a high-powered job? Um, Why do kids are a job factor? So I don't disagree. I'm just... Yeah. So for me, typically, I want to know if somebody has kids because that will inform... Um, Usually how high they're willing to get when they can consume, Mm -hmm. um, when they want to consume. Of course, that's not to say that everybody who has kids uh, can or should only consume at night after their kids go to sleep or something like that. But it will, from my experience, working with people who do have kids, it's typically like, okay, well, I need something, let's say, to manage my pain. And um, I need it all day, but I need to be relatively lucid and still engaged with my right. children. And so there you can be a little bit high, but that maybe I would encourage them I'm to... I'm on the clock still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it. job. It's a constant job. And so encourage them to go maybe for a more mixed ratio of a combination of THC to CBD. Uh, and then if we want to suggest something else at night that's a little bit higher in THC concentration um, after their kids go to sleep or something like that. Um, with a high power job, Again, there usually is a desired um, sense of lucidity there from the consumer side. So that's part of their experience. That again, if they're trying to manage symptoms, if they're trying to manage mental health, emotional health, whatever it is during the day, but they have a very stressful job that they need to be quote unquote on for, then we we would look at something that's higher in CBD for that daytime experience. Yeah, that makes sense. And so really it is about gathering as much information as you can about the person that you're working with during the consultation uh, in terms of Again, lifestyle, not only involving if they have kids or if they have a high-powered job, but also just like their general state of wellness. Do they exercise frequently? Uh, what What's their diet like? Are they prone to anxiety? Exactly. Are they prone to anxiety? Are they on any other medication? Because that's huge. Um, what's the interaction there? Like drug interactions? Yeah. I mean, if I, I would have, I, I used to take Wellbutrin for mm-hmm. ADHD, like, you know, yeah. and I've taken Prozac mm-hmm. in my life, you know what I mean? Which I know I haven't, since I quit drinking, I haven't been back on Prozac, but I know that the Prozac I was taking when I was drinking probably wasn't doing all that well because I was, they were, I was mixing the two, you know right. what I mean? Like, so right, how right, do right. like, I don't mean other drugs. I mean like, you know, ADHD medication or, 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 uh, that's not anti-anxiety. What's Prozac? Uh, like an SSRI. Sure. Yeah. Um, antidepressant. Antidepressant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so there are no to date. There are no like significantly harmful uh, drug interactions okay. between cannabinoids and other pharmaceuticals. There are definitely interactions though. So for example, if you take an opioid. Um, 
since the endocannabinoid receptor system is so linked to the opioidergic system, you will probably feel a way more intense effect or experience if you take opioids with cannabis. Um, Typically, like for an antidepressant or an SSRI or um, something like a benzodiazepine, like a Xanax, which is really uh, designed for that anti-anxiety response, it will lead to hopefully a dose reduction in that pharmaceutical because the cannabis just makes it feel that much stronger. Mm-hmm. With SSRIs, it's interesting. It's it's still, to me, um, a very kind of like muddy gray area because SSRIs, while they're not... As, re- as far as the research goes? As far as the research goes with cannabis yeah. um, because... SSRIs, they're serotonin reuptake inhibitors, Mm -hmm. so they uh, prevent the serotonin from degrading in your system, allows it to accumulate more in the synapses between the neurons, um, and and therefore makes you feel happier. It creates more of a balanced serotonin system if you were in imbalance, which leads to less anxiety. Uh, Cannabis and cannabinoids can interact similarly with the serotonin system, Um, and so therefore combining cannabis and SSRIs. We don't know if that's necessarily a good interaction. Like a symbiotic exactly. One, if it's a symbiotic one or if it's something that... One um, does the effect of the other, perhaps. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So not enough conclusive scientific okay. evidence at all to speak to those kinds of interactions and something to definitely monitor. And so that's where I've worked with a lot of patients and customers who were trying to uh, wean off of their SSRI, right. who were looking to supplement with cannabis to make up for that. Um, and what I found to work really well just from working with people was a very low dose CBD, like did the trick. And we're talking like two milligrams right. of CBD uh, sublingually administered. So it was an immediate onset of effects. They didn't have to smoke. And that um, really helped diminish the side effects of coming off of an SSRI because the side effects of coming off of an SSRI, of coming off of most pharmaceuticals are rough. Yep. It's not great, especially if you are somebody who's prone to anxiety and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, when when talking about how to best help somebody uh, purchase cannabis or integrate it into their lifestyle, I recommend to look at all of the factors, to really take the whole picture and and really listen to your patient and consumer. Which is more important, do you think, physical health or mental health? Ooh, I think... If you had to to choose. If I had to choose, like, ooh, like Sophie's choice. Um, I think that they're... I mean, I think that all states of health are incredibly important. Right. So I'll say that. Um, If I had to choose... I would honestly say mental health just because be mental health is so informative of physical health. I was actually just having this conversation with my friend and we were talking about um, a, a kind of article or, or study that she had recently read about how mental health really informs physical health that like if you are stressed your it will hold in your body it will hold in your tissues and you can develop inflammation because of that i think that the mind body link it, i think it's way more connected than we even understand at this point and so um I think that, one, it's absolutely necessary to take it into consideration when you are trying to help somebody in the realm of health and wellness. And that's not being done right now um, kind of as like a, a starting point. Right. And so I think that we need to at least destigmatize that kind of conversation around mental health because it absolutely informs uh, and in some cases drives physical health. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me. I feel like, and maybe this is just a symptom of me paying more attention or, you know, with um, things like digital media and social media, you just hear more about more things more of the time now. But I feel like the conversations around, like, anxiety and depression are everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I and I don't, and I, I take that stuff real seriously, you know? Um, maybe it's just a function of now that I'm in a, you know, I, I'm 41 and I'm, you know, I'm paying more attention to that sort of thing. Maybe it was always like this, but I don't feel like it is. I feel like you, you're hearing more and more about um, kind of, um, you know, how how much of a, not I don't want to say a killer, but, you know, how, how prevalent um, anxiety and depression is in yes. uh, a kind of, and again, sort of across the generations, you know, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things I've read, I've read a fair amount of articles lately about uh, teen, teen depression, teen anxiety, mm -hmm. and how it sort of, um, you know, sort of dwarfs uh, what they, what, you know, <clears throat> the common understanding of how it's been, you know, heretofore. Um, and then certainly in, in, it feels like uh, people, I pay a lot of, a lot of attention to people online, you know, I'm a big Twitter user for instance, and I feel like that's just a constant conversation happening on Twitter is mm -hmm. just talking about anxiety, depression. There was a famous comedian, a uh, relatively uh, famous comedian who just committed suicide last week in Los Angeles who had str struggled with anxiety and depression and a lot of people like Mark Maron and Patton Oswalt and Sarah Silverman were good friends with this guy and so I was seeing a lot of remembrances mm. of him and talking about you know they were doing the suicide hotline thing and their tweets or whatever it's interesting you yeah know? absolutely and I think that the the conversations that are happening are so important and and only further help the destigmatization de uh, of, of mental illness yeah. and mental health as not something that is a weakness but that it's something that is a disease and that actually could lead to other uh, more physical body diseases yeah. um, and my back yeah which has been screwed up now for uh, about a month. You know, I've seen two doctors about, or seen a chiropractor and another in there, but they both said like, yeah, how's your stress level? And I'm like, not good. And they're like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. I mean, digestive disorders are largely a product of sure. stress and anxiety. There's yeah. so many serotonin receptors in our gut. Um, skin disorders as well are so linked to the gut and there's serotonin receptors in the gut. Um, and, and when we get stressed and, and anxious, skin can become inflamed. I know a lot of people who struggle with skin disorders that really flare up when they're in a state of stress. Yeah. And so it's it's something that needs to be talked about more, I think, and and addressed more. Because the way that... The and, taken, first, and taken seriously. Taken seriously, exactly. Because it could be such a, like a, I don't want to say like an eye-rolly thing, but it's sort of like, even I, I, even I, I roll myself sometimes mm -hmm. when I talk about like my anxiety levels or what you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing i'm like oh, everybody you know because you know part of it is like well everybody has anxiety everybody's stressed out you know and i but i do feel like uh, you know i know there are plenty of people who i feel like metabolize that stress in a way that is so much more productive or healthy uh my wife is a good example of that mm -hmm. someone who really metabolizes stress in like a in a in a constructive ish mm -hmm. way versus me <laughs> who, who um doesn't so much, yeah. you know. And those coping mechanisms, yeah. those coping strategies, I mean, they need to be taught. <laughs> they need to be taught from the time that uh, we are children. And that 
has not happened uh, up until recently, I think. I think it's also very interesting, the conversation between uh, the gender difference in the right. the diagnosis and then uh, prescription of, uh, of pharmaceuticals to children, where we see boys who are systematically overdiagnosed with ADHD and fed ADHD medication, and then girls that who are me. systematically overdiagnosed with anxiety and depression and then fed, um, fed that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where, I mean, that that then is a systemic gender problem um sociologically a, i've also for what it's worth and we should move on but like i, I saw i've seen a couple things recently where they they say that women's pain is taken less seriously like medically um by like a crazy factor um god yeah yeah it's wild and, then it, and it breaks down from there you know into sort of race and class and mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like the infant mortality rate in this country, especially for like black women, it's the women, number one. Is crazy. In, I mean, quote unquote developed nations. Yeah, it's like nineteenth century. Yeah, it's levels horrifying. Yeah. All right, we got kind of off track there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is gonna be the last question. Um, these were really great, great questions, and um, listeners, we really appreciate it. Please continue to send questions to um, our email, which I will um, read at the end. Um, when is cannabis not recommended for use? This hmm. is, a, I feel like, a good question. Definitely. Um, if you're a young adult, so right. if you... This is the biggest one to me. Yeah. If you are somebody who is under 21, um, THC, not recommended for use. Now, of course, there are caveats to that general rule of, like, if you are a young person who is struggling with a disease, that yeah. cannabis could potentially act as a lifesaver for A friend for of mine you. has a high schooler who has Crohn's. Yes. Then then for sure evaluate that option and take it into consideration and take it seriously. Um, but for for young adults who want to use it more recreationally, recreationally yeah. don't. It can cause a lot of cognitive distortion that we still um, do not have sufficient scientific evidence to really quantify and measure later in life. The brain, the, especially in, I, I want to say especially in males, the brain is still developing. Absolutely. Well into, you know, well past your teen years. Yep. And this is serious stuff. I mean, I was um, someone who used a lot of cannabis when he was, you know, going back to like 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think ultimately that I had... Um, you know, cognitive uh, and probably even emotional issues that I don't, I don't want to put the blame squarely on. It was a lot of things going on. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I think I may have been, I may have, I wish I'd waited. I'll put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that you're really the, the gray matter of the brain isn't fully developed until you're like 22 to 25, like some that, window yeah. in there. And so to introduce Cannabinoids, specifically THC, specifically THC at such a young age, can cause real cognitive distortion and kind of inform the way that your brain develops and in not necessarily a great way. Uh, can cause uh, memory impairment and anxiety and, and depression and all that kind yep. of stuff. So not recommended for use for anybody who's under 21. Okay, so past that. Past that. Um, really more so THC um, if... If you are somebody who struggles with low blood pressure, I wouldn't or I would be careful with THC. Why is that? THC elevates the heart rate. It acts as a vasodilator, which means it opens up your blood vessels, which means it lowers your blood pressure. So anybody who's consumed like a ton of THC and then passed out. That's why. Um, and Which so, I've seen. Yes. Yep. You take a huge bong rip or something and yep. just pass it on the floor. Yep. So be careful. 
with THC if you have low blood pressure. Um, if you are prone to anxiety and or psychosis, be careful with THC because it can trigger uh, anxiety, paranoia. Let your bud tenders know that when you are making your... Exactly, exactly. And there, I mean, you can get around that by engaging in microdosing, engaging in very, very small doses to see how it makes you feel. And then uh, just really be be true to your own experience. If you don't have a good experience, you... do not need to consume THC don't again. Keep trying. Exactly. You don't need to keep <laughs> trying if you don't want to. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so there, I would would recommend um, to to be careful in those zones. With CBD, it's a it's less risky mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't have that super psychotropic nature. Um, if you are taking some anti-epileptic drugs, though, you do need to be careful with CBD. CBD has potential as an anti-epileptic uh, therapeutic agent. And so a lot of people with epilepsy look to manage uh, their their disease with CBD. And that's great. That's cool. But if you are on other um, drugs, such as clobazam, I believe, okay. and some other epilep- anti-epileptic drugs, it can have some negative drug interactions there. Again, typically, it would look like a dose reduction of your pharmaceutical, but it's something that you want to carefully manage, um, hopefully with a doctor. Right. Okay, great. All right. So um, thank you, Emma. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for, for sending those questions. And that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I really uh, enjoyed it. Very informative. Uh, let's leave it there. You were listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM. We will be right back. This is Cannabis is brought to you by the Open Cannabis Project. The Open Cannabis Project is an independent nonprofit whose mission is to build a transparent and open source platform of cannabis data. Thanks to nearly 80 years of prohibition, cannabis is suffering from a bad case of both misinformation and missing information. The Open Cannabis Project is on a mission to fill this information gap, creating a public records database that can help bring fairness and transparency to everything from intellectual property disputes to lab result issues. Learn how you can donate your anonymized chemical data and help fill the information gap at opencannabisproject.org. Thank you for staying with us. You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms, and with me is Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminent Consulting, uh, the uh, stage sage-like Emma Chasen. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yes, the, the, the wise... The wise lady that you go visit on top of the mountain. <laughs> oh my God, that's uh, so nice. Yeah. Uh, and now is the time when we, when we make recommendations. Hell yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. Yeah, we What's do. up, dog? What do you got? <laughs> What's up? It's going to be a no for me, dog. Just told, kidding. Guys, <laughs> told you it was going to be loose. <laughs> um, so I watched all of Russian Doll on oh, Netflix in one sitting yeah. the other night. I came home. I thought I was going to have to do like a really. So Russian Doll is what? I'm sorry. Okay. So yeah, sorry. So Russian Doll is a new series on Netflix. That's like a similar concept to like Groundhog's Day. Um, mm-hmm. With Bill Murray. With, yeah. But this one is with Natasha Leone, yeah, who awesome. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's been in a ton of stuff. Most recently, Orange is the New Black. And um, she is phenomenal. I and cannot wait to it, watch this. It is wonderful. I mean, just like whip smart humor, yeah. too, which I found delightful. The concept is really fun, but also dark, like mm-hmm. pretty dark. Deals, deals with a lot with her because she was a pretty had a pretty bad drug addiction. She was a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. And so I understand. In that real life. The in, actress. in real life, Natasha yeah, yeah. Leone did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot from what I've read. I'm sorry to interrupt. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, recovery 
talk or like rec- recovery. When I say recovery, I mean like drugs and alcohol recovery, sobriety recovery mm-hmm. um, concepts yes. that are that are in this show. Sort of, you know. Yes, and and really talking about anxiety and depression. I mean, it deals a lot with childhood trauma about how childhood trauma can manifest later in life if you don't kind of look at it and examine it and um, therapeutically let it go, um, and and how it can like really mess up time and and your sense of yourself and um allowing yourself to grow and and it also kind of ties into how we are intrinsically related to other humans randomly and how their experience can affect our experience um and so it it deals with some really heavy concepts and stuff but all in this really like smart timely humorous exactly sardonic way and i love that type of humor that's really what uh entertains me the most because it's real like there's an authenticity to it that i love and uh each episode is just like 25 minutes so you just like barrel through them and it was wonderful i i had planned like a whole like late night work night with Matt, my business partner, and we ended up getting done a little bit early. And so I got home and uh, smoked a joint and watched the entire series. And it was awesome. And I've, I've actually, I've read, done a lot of reading about the show. They say it's um, just as good, if not better, on a, on a rewatch, on the second mm, viewing. Mm, I bet. I mean, I would watch <laughs> it again. I would definitely watch it again in a It's, re- it's actually like recommend, like in the way that like Fight Club, <laughs> you mm, know, is good mm-hmm. on a second viewing or like The Sixth Sense, you mm. know, or The Usual Suspects, one of those kinds of things. Like you watch it again, you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't see that the first time. I bet. I mean, there yeah. are so many little intricacies and moments yeah. that, um, that yeah, I, I will probably end up watching I, I it again. I can't wait to see it. We were, I, I, we've been so busy with the family. Like again, you know, it's been, it's been a very family heavy time uh with the kids being out of school and stuff but i think we're gonna do it we're gonna try to watch the whole thing on sunday awesome yeah you should cool great well i have two uh quick recommendations the first is i finally saw roma mm. uh, I, I was it was the last movie besides green book and bohemian rhapsody that i did not care to see um before the academy awards and, uh, and on saturday night i watched roma and oh my god it was i, I was so beautiful that's it what i've heard so amazing it's really phenomenal it was it was so good mm. i cannot cannot tell you how good it it was except to say just take the time and watch it mm. and watch it with the subtitle so funny story it's a it's a foreign language film it's in spanish mm-hmm. um and I did not put the subtitles on for the first forty-five minutes or so on Netflix. Why? Um, I don't know. I it just <laughs> I just assume this is why I assumed that the movie would be subtitled. Okay. And then it wasn't, and I was like, "Well, all right. I guess I'm. I guess this is how Alfonso Cuarón is meant meant for the movie to be. You know, like, and you'll just because you can tell what's happening. You know, I don't speak Spanish. And then eventually, I was like, "This isn't. I gotta know what they're saying." And I was yeah. like. Oh, I can put this. Oh, and then I went. I stopped it and I started it back from the beginning. Mm. Watched the first forty-five minutes over again. Okay. So it is better with the subtitles. On, folks. <laughs> don't don't make that mistake. Bone kind of a bonehead mistake. That's a real good peek behind the curtain of my life. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a. I mean, oh my god, this movie was just just uh, incredible. Mm. So I cannot cannot recommend Roma any higher. Awesome. Um, and so, and then very quickly, my second recommendation is a new podcast that I have just started. Um, it is available. I believe it's only available through Spotify. It's mm. done by Spotify and it is the history of the clash. 
and it is awesome. It is narrated by Chuck D. Cool. And it's very expertly done. They use a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of clips of The Clash. It's against podcasts, so it's mm. all audio. Um, but The Clash, one of my favorite bands of all time, the only band that mattered. Mm. Um, you know, when this, when we first, when I first started kicking around ideas for this show, um, and I was giving concepts to my buddy who did the artwork for this show. Uh, one of the ones he and we talked, we were doing a lot of talking, and 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 it, there's a song called "Know Your Rights" by The Clash, and uh, the first line of that song is "This is a public service announcement with guitars." And like my tagline for the show originally was "This is a public service announcement with rob- robust terpene profiles." Mm. Uh, it, it didn't stick. I was like, eh, I don't think it might enough, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, The Clash is like one of my favorite top five favorite bands of all time, and so um, I'm very excited. The podcast just started um again it's on spotify um cool it's, it's called so i thought when you said that you started a new podcast that like you were doing a new podcast on the clash like you were hosting it it's like lee you did not tell me yes. that you have a new podcast baby that out I'm, in the world I'm cheating on you yeah uh let me see it, the so the podcast is called stay free the story of the clash and it's done by spotify studios again narrated by chuck d from public enemy which is cool. super awesome but uh yeah, really great. Awesome. Really, really great. So totally, that is like, they're hitting all of my, hitting all of my buttons. Mm. Well, all right. That does it for this week's This Is Cannabis. Um, <laughs> please remember to email questions and comments to thisiscannabis at xray.fm. Uh, we eventually will answer your questions. Yes, we will. Also, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at This Is Canna on X-Ray. This Is Cannabis is engineered by Will Romy, and our theme music is the song Impossible OK by Portland artist Motric. Please be sure to check them out on Spotify. Emma, one more time, thank you so much for you. answering those questions. I thought that was great. Thanks for letting me interrupt you with stupid jokes. That's okay. And, That's what you're here for. And musical references. That's what you're here for. All right. Um, wubba, wubba, wubba. Good night and good luck, and thanks so much for listening.